0: Hi, I'm Roxanne Serta, and I'm the Acquisitions Editor for c Publishing. I've been acquiring books for nearly 20 years, and the past seven of those have been here at c Through my job, I get the privilege of meeting countless designers, authors, and industry professionals who all do amazing things with their creativity. I'll be bringing some of those quilting and stitching personalities to this podcast to share their amazing stories and insider information. Download the latest episodes and get to know great crafters, learn the backstories behind events and people, and hear funny stories from people living the crafty life. So hi, this is Roxanne Serta, and today I'm here with Shannon and Jason Mullet-Bullsby, the dynamic duo known as the Sheba Guys. Their award-winning crochet, knit, and sewing designs have been featured in and on the covers of domestic and international publications. Their enthusiasm, quirky sense of humor, and relatable teaching style have (laughs) made them sought-after teachers in local and national venues we're both laughing because we've never actually had a conversation without cracking up, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which yeah. is a wonderful thing it's, it just makes know, like, Hey, let's get on the phone and talk this out. Like always a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, you guys are, are located in Seattle and yep. you're called the Shiba guys because you live with multiple Shiba, right?
1: Yes, we have three, three Shiba Inu, three Shiba Inu. Little, little bitty dogs. Well, not little bitty, but they're not they're, small-ish. Bit, they're a medium-sized dog
2: and they are demanding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: recognizable. they're, they're imagine, recognizable, imagine yeah.
2: us as dogs.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How's that? <laughs> well there you go that's really
2: pretty really pretty slightly aloof and as they get older a little bit grouchy
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i i wouldn't have pegged that at all
1: oh yeah okay yeah
2: (laughs) anybody who's longer than 15 minutes would peg that
0: Well, you know, and I know I, I did just interview or introduce the two of you, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about who the Shiva guys are, because you're really well known in knitting and crochet worlds. That's really not all you do. And I know you've been adding a ton of sewing. Can you talk a little bit about your focus right now?
2: Well, the funny thing is, is that we, we never intended to start off with Shiva guys as being just a yarn Mm -hmm. a yarn arts arts brand like Mm -hmm. that we were we started as we actually started our first business on our own was the lazy local wars Mm -hmm.
1: small space gardening and cooking
2: yeah and we taught cooking and canning preserving classes we taught people how to go to the market the farmers markets and one know what the heck they were looking at
1: (laughs) (laughs) cherimoya what's a cherimoya
2: how is that um 50 kinds of eggplant what and, uh, and we'd, we'd teach them how to, how to cook those things, right. like mm-hmm. for real people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also taught folks, and we did, we planted small space gardens mm-hmm. for folks. So we started out really as a lifestyle brand that really did what we called uh, heritage skills.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, and, which included sewing, but it also included spinning and cooking. Weaving, and cooking, preserving. Weaving, yeah. Um, there were a number of things. You know, all, all of those heritage skills that have kind of fallen by, by the, uh, the wayside.
2: So we started doing that, and it just—I don't know. I went to a conference. I went to a professional conference. Mm -hmm. We met a publisher who bought three books from us, like on the spot. (laughs) Shannon
1: had had recently quit his corporate job and was really just looking for 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 work at that point. And uh, we just happened to be uh, be looking at a magazine and noticed that oh. People get paid to actually. People get paid to make these things. to make these things. So why don't I at least try it? So we we doing well. What we do? We started researching.
2: Ten years later.
1: Mm-hmm. Ten years
2: later, we had ten crochet books out and a knitting book, <laughs> and uh, and and all of a sudden we were we were those those, those people who crochet, and we're mm-hmm. like, okay, but we do more. We do so much more. <laughs> but you know, I mean, we had marketing people that we worked with, and an agent who said that you really need to not confuse your market
1: yeah and Mm -hmm. so
2: all of our sewing sat quietly in the back of the studio and out of the picture
1: we were still doing it we we just didn't do much publication about what was going on with
2: it and so well and then times have changed as far as you know what you're supposed to that's quotey fingers fingers, there yeah that's (laughs) quotey fingers (laughs) supposed to do with your with your branding and your marketing and we were like okay so it's the not
1: he- working for us. The
2: heck with this monocraftual thing. <laughs> we, are, we are multi-crafters. We do everything, and we feel like way more people in the market are. And we had done some market research. Again, that research mm-hmm. thing that we do, yeah. we had done some market research with a couple of other large companies with probably about 100,000 different uh, questionnaires mm-hmm. yeah. about what uh-huh. they did.
1: Yeah, what, what type of crafts do you, you know, as a crafter, do? Are you just a knitter, or do you knit and crochet? Do you knit, crochet, and sew? Are you
2: proficient at these, and you like to do these, or how does it work? And what was it, like 90?
1: Nine,
2: 94% percent of the respondents did at least three, three different cra- crafts. Right, at least three. Mm-hmm. 80 eight, high eighties did five and we're just like, okay, this okay, so is ridiculous. There, there's no
1: reason for us to pigeonhole ourselves as this the is crochet just ridiculous guys.
2: to stick yeah. to this. And it was it was very eye opening for us and the companies that we worked with on the mm-hmm. survey. And we were like, we do do all this other stuff and it's time for us to start really getting out there in it. Right. But so we just finished we were teaching we were looking to teach some sewing classes. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, we started down a deep dive, which we can, you know, get into mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. that ended up in this Sashiko thing. Yeah. And the Sashiko and Bora research led us into abstract piecing, and we'd already been doing some English paper piecing and some basic hand piecing with quilting i mean seriously like from the moment it just snowballed yeah the first thing that we posted on instagram Mm -hmm. our agent saw it and said yeah that's what you're doing next Next. and we know the right she was like and i know exactly who i'm going to talk to and that's how we met you
0: it is well you know and you've got to love linda she and i've worked together forever and i will say you've got a great literary agent um she is so yeah yeah. you
2: don't have to tell us Uh (laughs) she is amazing
0: well, but you know, the, what I've always wondered too, is like, why it, was there like a particular tipping point? So like, you know, I know you were really immersed in the crochet and you were doing the research. Was there like a project that just really, really inspired you and said, you know, I don't care. I'm doing this next. Or was it really just, you know, serendipity?
2: I think it's when, it we published, when we published our last book, we were just kind of like, okay, so that's,
1: yeah, it was, it was yeah, 336 pages of crochet. And, and three it, years of and research. Three years of into research into it.
2: How to crochet thing. And it was just like, okay.
1: I've said this now.
2: I've said this. And mm-hmm. and we still love to design and that type of stuff. We Oop. swung the other direction. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we needed something different. And we wanted something else to say. And we wanted another medium to say it through. And we just started plunking around on our little brother sewing machine and our little brother serger. And it was like, Okay done. Mm-hmm. This is this is where we're going and now we've got the full you know, thank you Bernina, we've got a full Bernina <laughs> set up in here and Bernina Ambassadors and RFL Ambassadors and Thread Collections and you know, I mean it, it really did avalanche. I don't know if there was a tipping point or if it was just the way yeah. things happen with us Roxanne
1: <laughs> Yeah, you, you have to understand we're always open to the next big thing so we're always looking for it, waiting for it to happen and when we see it coming we jump. We're
2: looking for the next creative opportunity, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't really know how to explain it other than, than when you speak so much in one medium and one language, you get kind of, all, all of our other things that we work on, I'm using mm-hmm. 40 fingers, yeah. all the other things that we work on, they all inform what we're doing. So whatever we're working on, everything that we've ever worked on is informing that. And part of the research we do is heavy into textile arts, Mm -hmm. fiber arts, production, and all of, you know, embroidery, crochet, knitting, weaving, spinning, sewing, quilting, garment making. All work
1: together in our minds.
2: Yeah, there's this Mm -hmm. weird connection in our brains when we sit down and do projects about what informs one or the other. And I think if we weren't so such information junkies when it comes to research and doing projects. Um, I don't think we would have jumped so quickly, but I think that is why it looks like there was just this sudden switch. (laughs) Because everybody on the outside, seriously, everybody on the outside, they were just like, so one day you're doing this, and the next thing you're at Camp Stitches teaching Sashiko and Boro. Mm -hmm. What the heck, guys? You know, and... People who personally know us for a long period of time got it. They're just yeah. like going, "Yep, that makes mm-hmm. about sense," um, but for most of the people that, that you know on the outside, they were like, "That's giving them whiplash," <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and and so I don't think there was a
1: tipping point. No. It's it, it was just another point in our lives where something changed and we, we just moved with it.
2: And we were like, "Oh, that looks cool. Let's go there." Mm-hmm. And it was shiny. Well, we kind of <laughs> act like that little that little car that you had, you know, oh, you, yeah, you, you turn it on and it bumps into things and it goes until it can run. Mm-hmm. You know, until there's a clear path, and that's kind of mm-hmm. what we do.
1: Yeah. That's kind of how I picture it. We go and then back up and then go and then back up until we find we do it until we
2: can't, we do it until we can't go no more, and as, <laughs> as long as it keeps going and we have something to say, mm hmm with that, and medium. I think we'll
1: always have something to say. Just I, th- I think oh.
0: I know you're both really into traditional Japanese needle arts, um, but th- it's a very specific thing. So, how did you guys get <laughs> interested in that?
1: Oh, so this is fun. Yeah. So here's the story. So um,
2: we were looking for workshops that we could teach in sewing that would not take machines.
1: Right. Just something that was easy to carry along that, that you could just put in a bag that we could kit up easily. Each- yeah.
2: Because when we travel mm-hmm. to shows, I mean, we're teaching six, eight mm-hmm. workshops, yeah, um, and lectures and things like that. So we already travel with you know five, six suitcases,
1: and four <laughs> four of those are shoes. Just FYI, you know what? It's not
2: <laughs> four of them is shoes. There's one I, I'm is, sorry,
1: three of them are, one are shoes. one
2: is shoes. Uh-huh, He's yeah. exaggerating <laughs> a little, little bit. bit because there's a pair of shoes in my carry-on and then the pair that I wear, and then I usually end up stuffing a couple into his bag. Anyway, hey. anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, we were just looking for portable sewing, you know, and we already were doing English paper. Well, we were into English paper piecing and hand piecing, uh, quilting, right. you know, hand sewing garments and really doing slower uh, versions of machine crafts. We did a Google search because mm-hmm. we were like, hey, crazy, crazy quilts. quilts. I mean, that's, I mean, our, 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 both of our families, mm-hmm. you know, the ancestors in our families did yeah. them. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can both remember growing up with crazy quilts in the house. And so we were like, I, I want to make a crazy quilt. Let's do it. It's been forever since I've worked on one. Let's, mm-hmm. let's look at the history of crazy quilts and da-da-da. And I'll be, if there was some obscure, I mean, Roxanne, Roxanne. <laughs> <laughs> there was an obscure reference that i even had trouble it took me another year to find that reference mm-hmm. to just pull it out but about crazy quilts and you had i can't remember the philadelphia
1: it's, it was the uh, the world's exhibition, exhibition exhibition yes thank you that's right in
2: philadelphia in philadelphia in 1865 65 and so
1: and, they, and it said
2: something about Crazy Quilts being inspired by some Japanese exhibit at that world exhibition.
1: Right. And mm-hmm. so the, 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 the newly opened Japan.
2: Yes. Had, and had done an exhibition, you know, the Japan world at that mm-hmm. exhibition. So we start Googling the words Crazy Quilt Philadelphia World Exposition 1865, you know, and, and mm-hmm. going, okay, let's see what happened. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like Japan exhibit, da, da, da. da. And then we get a hit, and mm-hmm. it is it is a description of the uh, expo, mm-hmm. and it is there was a link to, to a PDF, the
1: PDF of the actual program. program. and so we were oh. like, "Well, we got to buy that," <laughs> so we bought that
2: <laughs> and downloaded it, <clears throat> and and we converted it into a a searchable PDF. Yeah. <laughs>
1: This is what we do, folks, really. This is just
2: just fun for us. (laughs) Into a searchable PDF and looked up uh, Japanese textiles textiles Mm -hmm. and Japanese fabrics. And it came up with a section that talked about mended Japanese pottery Mm -hmm. and textiles. And
1: textiles.
2: And that was it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like...
1: Okay. Well, now, now I've got to look up this and see Not what this is all look, So about. then we
2: looked up Japanese, you know, mended Japanese pottery. And, of course, there was the techniques of mending uh, pottery, which they still do today, with gold. With gold.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
2: get a crack or a break, and they mend it with actual gold and fuse it. And then uh, we Googled mended Japanese textiles. And, and let oh, me tell
1: you what. That if just, you want to
2: talk about a tipping point, right there it was. That, that like really we, was it, yeah. I started yelling, and he came along, and... <laughs> I'm sending him the link, and it was to the Amuse Museum in Pan. Mm-hmm,
1: yep, in Tokyo. And
2: in Tokyo, and it is the uh, museum of Chizuboro Tanaka's collection. Boro of Boro and Sashiko pieces, and I'm all you have to do is open up the front page, and mm-hmm. it, it's just every time we show this front page in class, when people gas like. They're just staring. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty sure we've lost them <laughs> because then they're on the site clicking around and looking at all the photos. Yeah. But it is breathtaking and humbling. Ter- terrifying
1: at the same terrifying time. Yeah. Terrifying mm-hmm. yeah.
2: to look at these pieces and see how how old some of these garments, the futon covers,
1: the room dividers. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with Boro, Boro is um, a mending technique. Where patchwork, you would, a patchwork. Patchwork technique. where you would take pieces of cloth and layer them over in an existing garment or a futon cover or something. And then you would sew it down. And then later on you get another tear in another spot and you'd layer it again and again Great and again. Worker, and you uh, end up with spot. these incredibly complex pieces Ugh.
2: of, in shades <clears throat> of, of different, different levels of wearing and different, uh,
1: d- 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 different pieces of dyed indigo. So some were dyed heavier, some were oh, dyed lighter. And so, and it's, just breathtaking. And to it's see all how held it all down with
2: sashiko stitching. And it was done out of a necessity because they were... So poor. Well, they were... Poor is a, is a classist term that's, that's tough to use. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is. They were... They did not have the same money. Japan at the time was ruled by the shogunate. It, it, it was a definite was caste system. Definitely a caste system. And if you were born in a fishing village, that's where you stayed. You and that's were where not you allowed to move out of your life. area. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, You were not allowed to wear uh, cotton or silk.
1: Cotton or silk. We to to wear it was actually. So they were wearing. A, green, yeah. Yeah. Exibu- exe- exe- yes, they would execute the them. They would yeah. take
2: them to the main city and execute <clears throat> them in public squares. For, for this, wearing cotton. For wearing cotton. And yeah. it was just, so they had to fix the things they had. They were wearing rainy, hand-woven rainy cloth and mulberry cloth. Um, some
1: linen, if, if they were an area where where, where they, they could grow flax.
2: Um, but mostly it was in the northern islands of Japan where it's extremely cold. And they had different styles of sashiko, including one where they took these layers of fabric and they stitched them together with sashiko to make warmer fabrics. And right. it's just the complexity... To say that it's mending...
1: Is is, is really an understatement, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I, we, we can't A disservice. even... disservice. Yeah, yeah, we
2: can't even go into the depth of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to write the book, because we were like, there's so much... And the book just scratches the surface. God, I hate to say that, but it,
1: it really... <laughs> Look for, 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 for volume two in two vo- vo- years.
2: Volume, just FYI, vo- volume 15 and 16. <laughs> volume 15 and 16, because it just, <sighs> we had the cutting room floor of this book alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And that's only two styles of Sashiko.
1: Right. There, there, there are a number of other, there, other there, types of sashiko. There's of another
2: form of sashiko, kogin sashiko, that goes so off the off the path, and yeah. and, and so many variations that it just, mm-hmm. you know, and there's shonai sashiko and Moyuzashi and Hitumizashi and all the different styles, and th- you can tell this is how we went down that rabbit hole and never came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, <laughs> it, and and happily never came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, now most of our house is covered in Boro and sashiko and.
0: well you know and i think yeah we did limit you guys on page count um which probably did did close that rabbit hole a little bit but um
2: we tried
0: well and i would i just wanted to kind of share that it was um from the very first conversation the three of us had you were adamant that you needed to get it right you didn't want it to be your version of sasha or fake or kind of half-hearted so Mm -hmm. to you what does getting it right mean
2: so there's a (laughs) couple of different things and we don't want to use the buzzwords Mm -hmm. that go with this the story of the japanese people who did this out of a heart-wrenching necessity to live this Mm -hmm. was not i mean of course they 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 did everything with a very mindful heart Mm -hmm. and they did everything very purposefully down to the length of the stitches and why there was a certain number of stitches per section per, yeah, per, per distance, length. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and why they take on the shapes that they take on, and they were very mindful about that type of thing. But they were doing this because it was either do this or die, and that's all there is to it. You either do this or you have no clothing to wear, and you're cold and you freeze to death. I mean, that bottom line,
1: bottom line, that's just where we're so yeah,
2: we had to give what we call context to the content. Mm-hmm. Or else we just weren't going to do it. I mean, yeah, you, know, you we, know how we were. We, we
1: could have put out you know, you know, an entire book with some patterns and stitching. Here's with, the and pretty this. stitches. Yeah, and, yeah, and, just, you, know, and, and you just, you know, okay, and this, this one's called this and this one's called this. I mean, that, that's great, but, but unless you know some of the, the basis as to
2: the context.
1: Yeah, the, the, the actual context behind what, what's going on here, you don't get the, the entire picture.
2: And it's a very fine line to walk in that it is not our story to tell, right? Because it's not our culture, right? Mm-hmm. So what we wanted to do was be respectful of that culture, do it the right way.
1: You d- to actually do research into how this is done, why it why it was right. done.
2: Learn um, from Japanese artists mm-hmm. so that it wasn't what what did so we have a friend who it's one of the collections we got to study his name is names uh Roland Roland yeah and um we got to study his collection and he talks about some things being japanese <laughs> <laughs> and, and he'll go that's not really sashiko and boro that's more japanese like that and there's a huge bastardization of the technique and of the of the sashiko and boro culture mm-hmm. and art in that people will just take them and start printing them out on fabrics.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And there's, right.
2: there's entire fabrics that are faux.
1: faux and, sashiko, that. Yeah. and they're mm-hmm. saying that
2: that's their design. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, it's not. These are the designs of the Japanese people. We, we feel like if we're not connecting ourselves, the same way we connect ourselves when we do hand, hand quilting, Right, mm-hmm. I'm connecting myself to my grandmother. Jason's connecting himself to his mother. We feel like it was our duty to make sure that we connected ourselves to the people whose hands first did this, to look at the actual garments and see not just the museum garments, but the ones that Roland got from the country that he dug out from under floorboards that he got at temple sales to look at these things and realize the actual situation they were in and why they did Mm -hmm. it and to convey that to the extent that we could with a page count,
1: <laughs> 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 little dig there, just you know, no, because we understand
2: we, we understand. we understand. We totally. We, do, yeah. we, we package books for a living as well, and so oh, we yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. But within that page count, how how can we most effectively get this information across to our readers and hopefully inspire them to go down a couple of rabbit holes and open several hundred browser windows and mm-hmm. and learn more <laughs> learn more about it, you know? Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. what getting it right for us was doing the techniques correctly and doing them with mindfulness to and respect for the people who came before us and did this and acknowledging them in the book and giving them the credit for what we were doing
0: what i don't think a lot of people maybe will get right off the bat is that this wasn't just internet research so, I mean, you guys, <laughs> it was when not, you talk yeah. about rabbit holes, you, you guys are like, this is like an entire warren of rabbit holes. Like, what all <laughs> yes. do you oh, Yes, do? it is.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. But, you know, it, Seattle has a really large- Asian community. A- Asian community. And we also have the, uh, the Asian Art Museum, which is uh, associated with Seattle Art Museum.
2: Large Asian community <laughs> where we spend a lot of our money- <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
2: and uh, so, but, so yeah, the uh, Seattle Art Museum has a branch mm-hmm. called the Seattle Asian Art Museum. Like
1: and you know. our original idea was to, was to to go there and look at some, some of the pieces on display and take some notes.
2: But but the, the Asian art, the Seattle Asian Art Museum was closed for renovations for a couple of years. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we go into the archives and we can see everything online. They had a very good digital archive with several pieces, mm-hmm. and we were like, so I mean, and we've done. We've done some academic research before, me yes. in paleontology and Jason in archaeology in the past mm-hmm. and in college. And so we were like, hey, we are former researchers who are now researching a book. We're authors. Here's our bio. Here's the things that we do. And we were hoping to maybe get special permission to come in and just look at some of the pieces that you have in the archives. And we thought they're never going to do this. They're
1: never going to let us do that. But you know what? They said yes. Oh, holy
2: (laughs) crapamola. They, they said yes. And Mm -hmm. when I tell you that there was screaming,
1: Uh dancing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm.
2: they said yes. And they sent back, uh, just fill out a spreadsheet. Here's the Mm -hmm. link to the, the whole archives. Fill out a spreadsheet in order of importance that you'd like to see, the ones you'd like to see. And, you know, just put them all down and we'll see what we can pull. Right. Because some of these had been in the archives in boxes for 100
1: years. For 100 years. These are pieces that have almost literally never seen the light of day since then they were archived originally at the, at the museum. Because they just don't have wow. space to
2: display them all right. the time.
1: Right. You know, you, even you know, the, the museum used to be much smaller. It used to be just the Asian art museum yeah. then they moved to, to downtown where they've got like seven floors but still they've got so much backlog that, that they have to keep switching I mean, stuff out i mean
2: could be so we filled out our list excuse me order of importance Mm-hmm. and they sent back uh great we'll have these ready for you Da-da-da, let's and we set up a date we went in mm-hmm. we got special pass they told us what we needed to do we
1: went in th- through the back door down we, into went, the,
2: in, we went into the, the sub-basement <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. this
1: gigantic <laughs> metal door with a big handle I and for just a couple huge. of
2: academic geeks like us oh, this it was, was mm-hmm. i mean you can't see jason he's vibrating and wiggling right yeah. now and so, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: so we get down you can there smell knowledge oh yeah. my gosh and so we get down there they had pulled 20 pieces 20 pieces for
1: us, pieces for us. We, we were expecting five
2: <laughs> and i i'm crying i mean mm-hmm. it was yeah I have never seen anything like this before. And having done the the research online and Mm -hmm. taken classes with people who didn't speak our language and trying to confirm and reading old writings, Mm -hmm. some of them just hand drawings on what was going on and trying to confirm because there's so many people who are Saying teaching, so many things, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
2: teaching Sashiko. Co- that was my sarcastic 40 fingers again. Mm-hmm. Sasha Co- <laughs> out there who are saying these are the rules and you always do this and you always do that and you always do this and you always do that. And we're like, we were hearing Really? So are you
1: sure? We were are hearing my...
2: so many different things and drawing mm-hmm. on our own quilting background mm-hmm. and stitching background. I was like, some of this stuff is that, impossible. That just does, saying, this doesn't sound. It right. It doesn't
1: make sense, especially for the for the time from for the culture. And we would ask
2: know? the Japanese folks about it that were teaching us. They were like, "Yeah, that's not true." So we were like, "Okay, let's figure it out. Let's go back to the original source." And mm-hmm. it's funny they they showed us like one of the things we wanted to confirm was knots.
1: Knots. So there's a whole there was a whole thing whole about, thing you about knots. never make
2: knots, mm-hmm. and there is a technique with moyuzashi where you can make it without making knots mm-hmm. but we were like yeah it was a garment they were working on a farm or they were pulling fishing boats I mean come on mm-hmm. so we were, <laughs> the first thing we did we said can you open it up this is a garment right yeah
1: yeah so yeah, it it's, was a it's laid out
2: beautifully it was a workers haunting hunting. jacket <laughs> we're like can you open it up and they opened it up and we both yell knots <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got to we got to actually see the stitch length mm-hmm. we got to see without we, we were never allowed to touch oh of course no no um mm-hmm. and you know very only, clean. only
1: the only the the
2: archivists, the archivists were allowed to, were allowed it. to touch and, uh, and the curators mm-hmm. but they gave us the goggles so that you know the, the little shield and everything so that i can look at things close up i was measuring stitch lengths and they were taking measurements that they were very very patient with us mm-hmm. yeah and it was an amazing experience, and it confirmed so much of what we were trying to say. Mm-hmm. And we held off on writing sections of the book till a few months, like maybe two months before it was due. Right, because we, we,
1: we went back a second we time. We went back
2: a second time. To
1: double-check some of our, our numbers. Poor, our and
2: poor things. friend Barbara was here from New York, visiting from, from New York. Yeah. And uh, she was only here for a few days, and one of those days was the day we could get into the museum. And so, so she luckily is an academic. To the, she she's us to the nth degree. <laughs> she's one of us. So she, she was said. she was like, I'm gonna look around the museum because we got her in for free, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm gonna look around the museum. You go do your thing. We'll meet back in the museum cafe for lunch. And she was so patient. So yeah, one of the days was mm-hmm. it was and it was in the middle of December. It was like December 15th yeah, or fifteenth. yeah, yeah, And I think one of the drafts of the book was due like a month or two months later. Or one something. month later.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: we held off on finalizing a lot of the text and on finalizing a lot of the projects until we got confirmation on some dimensions and some final construction. And again, one more time, confirming knots.
1: <laughs> FYI. Yes. Yes.
2: There are knots. Uh, there are no <laughs> knot techniques. Mm-hmm. And there, there are, are no not. but yeah. it mm-hmm. depended anyway. Anyway. Well, well, we,
1: well honestly, we, we, we were even able to look at some of the garments and, did <clears throat> and defined that these two garments, although they, they were they were brought into the the, uh, the museum at, at different times, were most probably made by the exact same hand because of the way that the, the knots, knots were, were, wrapped. Wrapped, were wrapped.
2: I mean, if you look at a quilter's knots, a hand sewist's knots, mm-hmm. um, our knots lay a certain way and wrap a certain way. Jason and I both, I make knots the way my grandmother taught me, which is the right way. And Jason <laughs> learned to tie knots from his mother which is also the right way mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they look very different
0: yes and the- you can
2: tell my knots from his knots right mm-hmm. and we were looking at these and we were like these knots are the same on these two these two garments and they're like no no no, those are to, from different collections and i'm like to a
1: point that it was and i'm startling. like startling i'm like yeah,
2: yeah I, I don't care who they are and so here comes the head curator of that that department and mm-hmm. she's like going those are the same and then she spent an hour at her computer mm-hmm. you know look, turn, look, looking uh, at, the look at look
1: at the, the history and who got them the and provenance when, the provenance of, yeah. of the
2: pieces so it's just we could go on forever about this we probably to mm-hmm. stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is but this is how we went down the rabbit hole and this is this is about getting it right and this is about doing the research i know we told you a little bit about this beforehand but i mean we pretty much do research if we can't research context for what we're doing no matter what the small as the project may seem Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
2: um we're not going to put it out there because i'm not going to speak about something
1: in an authoritative voice without having the the authority to actually back it out
2: yeah you know i mean it's just it's not right for us to do that i mean Mm -hmm. that's our we're not saying that everybody has to do that we're saying for us right Mm -hmm. You know, we did a yo-yo pillow project for Clover. (laughs) Uh, We're Clover Ambassadors, and we do Mm -hmm. their uh, Tool School Extra Credit
1: Mm -hmm.
2: videos. And Mm -hmm. we did this great little pillow out of – it's sitting right here in the studio. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it right now. That's why he's looking at, yeah. It's uh, it's, uh, pink and uh, maroon yo-yos. Worked Mm -hmm. in a grid. Oh man, it's, I love this pillow. And I had to look up the, his, you know, I knew my grandmother making yo-yos. Mm-hmm. And grand, mine,
1: yeah. And, I, I, his, I remember going to sleep on a yo-yo on a, a
2: yo-yo blanket, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Waking up with the dimples in your face. Yes. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and playing with them until they come apart and get uh-huh. in trouble and have to learn how to sew it back together. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just me. Mm-hmm. and uh, And we had, but we had to look up the history of yo-yos.
1: Mm-hmm. just to see you know, wh- when they started and why they were done. And,
2: you know, and <laughs> So, if so so... you
1: ever want to know, you can just... <laughs> we've, got, we've got the hookup! <laughs> Drop us an email, we'll tell you all about
2: it. It's interesting to us that way, and it really gives us,
1: I think... There, there, there's a lot more to a lot of these handcrafts that is more than just the handcraft itself. There, there's actually the history behind it and why it was created. And the and, people who did it. And the people who did it. Oh, yeah, When
2: you can connect to your ancestors that way and to the ancestors of neighboring peoples and neighboring folks, it really helps to connect. You know, here I'm going to get cheesy, but it's true. It really helps to connect the world and it mm-hmm. makes us understand there is a greater connection other than just the fact that we are flesh and bone. It really does it it recognizes them for their culture mm-hmm. and for their the people that they are without erasing them and without taking them out of the picture
1: right well look, look, looking at quilting techniques like that i mean you you, you have Sashiko and Boro from Japan. You've got Kantha in India. You, Kantha, you've, you've, you've got, got Appala- Appala-
2: Appalachian, my, my family, Appalachian yeah. Hill people with the way that we that we quilted.
1: And they're, they're, they're almost identical once you really get down down. Big into stitch it. quilting, <laughs> and yeah, the I mean, stuff they, that we
2: used to do. <laughs> I was like, wait, this is big stitch quilting. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is just like this. And then they were like, well, here's how you actually make the stitch. And I'm like, this is nothing like big, big stitch, stitch quilting. <laughs> 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 but you start all of a sudden seeing all these different disciplines that actually they evolved in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. There was no connection, but just out of necessity to do things, to do the same things, we all learned to preserve food the same Mm -hmm. way, to weave fabric, to dye things. And we started using the things around us to do that. And that's what ties us back as makers. And that's Honestly, when I'm sitting there stitching, that's some of the stuff that's going through my head, I'm, I'm remembering my great aunt's hands. Mm -hmm. And I'm remembering, you know, the hands of the Japanese people who were doing this. I'm looking at the photos in my mind that we saw, and I'm looking at the garments, and I'm connected to those people through what I'm doing. And yes, even through making a yo-yo pillow, you know. (laughs) I mean, I remember learning to stitch through the the gathers and loop it around and then tie the knot. You know, I mean, I remember my my ancestors teaching me how to do that and seeing their work. And I remember Jason's mother teaching us things. Mm -hmm. It just... It gives us a connection back to those folks and, again, that context for the content Mm -hmm. of what we're doing. But that's the fun part for us. I mean, it really is. Mm -hmm. Looking back into the history of something and and making a connection and knowing that somehow we're connected to those folks is – it's fascinating for us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, thank thank goodness we married people that feel the same way about this stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True enough. Right? Well, and so I know, but yeah. And so talking about being connected to people, like you're, you're kind of talking now about being connected to people back, like in history or you know part of your ancestry. But the two of you are really into sharing. Like, so I, you guys are on the road a lot. So how did we you were. get into? <laughs> well, I know, I know. We all were. <laughs> yes, we were on the road a lot. Yeah. So how did you get started with, you know, going out and teaching and and going to these big consumer shows?
2: Well, I was I was a professional ballroom dance instructor and competitor for 20 years. Right. And so the concept of traveling and teaching was
1: what he did for a living. Honestly, and Jason
2: was in theater and Mm -hmm. they were always traveling to different theater play. So so back to the dogs. <laughs> um, we Dallas one of the one of the three. Our little girl was a show dog. Oh, there she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're laying on the floor underneath our feet right now. While we're standing here in the studio, they're all asleep. <laughs> if you hear the, if you hear. <sighs> That's what, that's what yeah. it is, mm-hmm. old Shivas. was. Um, but she was a show dog. So we were immersed in the show dog world for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jason Jason photographed Westminster Kennel Club dog show yes, for two I did. years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're used to this this idea of traveling to go to where we do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for teaching mm-hmm. and traveling, I mean, that just made sense. It's kind of how you made a living.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so
2: with this, when we found out there were shows, we were like, we're on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we applied to a show and got in, and I don't mm-hmm. even know what the first show was. But uh, it was,
1: it was uh, well. Then there were a couple here local that that we did first. Local, yeah, and so <laughs> it just, just again,
2: began. it was another one of those things, Roxanne, that we start off kind of casually doing, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, we're we're speaking <laughs> on the main stage about zebras. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, just, yeah. it's really, <laughs> it's you know, ten years later, we're doing this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, we got into it kind of just from the need of. Going out and making that connection. We don't have children who can sew because the shebas don't have opposable thumbs. Have a little issue with it. They're not a lot of help. <laughs> yeah, they're they're <laughs> no help whatsoever. Um, we don't have children to pass it on to, and our family right. all mm-hmm. passed it on to us. Yep, mm-hmm. and so we feel like it is our responsibility to pass on these skills mm-hmm. and whatever amount of knowledge that we happen to be able to collect and pass on not being arrogant enough to think that we have anything worth passing on. But if we have something that we can pass on, we will, you know, what, if it's a scrap of, of bread crust, then we'll share it, you know, and that's, that's kind of our idea with it. And so these shows were how we could pass things along when everything fell through in March. Our last show that we went to was So Expo here in Puyallup mm-hmm, in which was the end of February.
1: The, yeah, in February 1st, first weekend. Of and March. we
2: shouldn't have even been at that show. Like <clears throat> Probably We, we, we know now that we shouldn't have gone, but we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we taught at Stitches West the weekend before that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: luckily, we stayed healthy. Knock on wood. Right after that, though, is when everything shut down. And our entire schedule for the rest of the year uh, was canceled. It was just gone. And yeah. we had mm-hmm. zero, zero income.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and we were like...
1: Okay. okay wait, now so what do we
2: do? Where are we going to live? <laughs> and
1: there's a bridge down and down the bottom of the hill. Yeah we, can,
2: t- guess, yeah, we know. We know people. We can go stay in their garage. I mean, something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the thing with with going and doing the shows and being on the road is now switched to all virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All virtual, and um, we are just so oh my gosh grateful.
1: It's it's definitely you know different from doing a live class, but honestly, it's it's it's, it's also it's ways. also the same.
2: It's better in a lot of ways. If mm-hmm. you ask me, yeah, it's a lot better because our students, no matter where they sit in the room, mm-hmm. right, forty fingers sit in the room, they have a close up view. Yeah, you know, mm. they, they can see our hands right there instead of trying to see it on a screen. They have our hands right there on their computer screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Instead, as, of, as, of, as big as they...
2: Right, instead of being projected be. up on the screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Behind us, um, <clears so throat> if there is one.
2: we find there's a lot, a lot of advantage to that, and people are picking up on things more quickly. We're making great personal connections with folks. We've been able to add multimedia. Our right. Sashiko classes that we teach now have a mm-hmm. multimedia uh, aspect to it that shows the museum Museum and shows the pieces that we got to study and mm-hmm. uh, shows a bit of our process. And so we find it even more enriching i think and yeah. mm-hmm. in, in a, even a, a, a richer message to pass on
0: well and was there anything that really surprised you about moving to teach online versus in person that
1: that yeah ju- that, just yeah, that, that, like <laughs> when we kind of shifted yeah. our
2: paradigm and mm-hmm. said oh this is virtual mm-hmm. we're here in our studio. I'm not wearing pants. No. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, um, from, from, from my aspect, you know, I've got a degree in theater, so I'm used to, to standing on stage and getting that energy back from, from an audience. Right. And I was a little worried about going this direction because you know, they, I, I don't have these people right here in front of me. How am I gonna make a connection to them? How am I gonna be able to tell what it is that you're know, if, right. if, if, if I'm connecting right? And honestly, it's it's easier to see that than that connection for us, and the connection is probably as strong, if not stronger. if
2: not stronger. We haven't missed one bit of that. I mean, yeah,
1: and I, I, got, I mean, we we were both expecting to to have to work harder to to make that connection. And gosh,
2: it's really not been the case. I mean, it just feels just like we're teaching in a regular classroom, except. Yeah except I'm wearing uh, Birkenstock sandals and, and boxer shorts. And know. we
1: get to go home for lunch.
2: And we get to go home for lunch. <laughs> and,
1: yeah. and,
2: and I don't have to order from room service afterward. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. just, it's, I think because we're in a more relaxed environment and the students are in a more relaxed environment. And again, that fact that they can see the work closer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we broadcast in 180, 180P at mm-hmm. worst and in 4K at best. and uh, And so they're seeing clearer, demonstrations than what they could see in a classroom.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: So, and each of them has a personal version of that and recorded classes Mm -hmm. are even,
1: are even better. Oh, (laughs) I mean,
2: we can, we, we, we've set up our studio has completely changed into a virtual production studio when I can get to my cutting table. (laughs) uh, (laughs) When we can get to our machines and our cutting tables, um, uh, you know, otherwise like right now we just, we just wrapped up a class and we have cameras and two microphones, three cameras, two microphones, and the lights all over the place. Um, and it's just, it's it's really allowed us to branch out into, I think, to teach more.
1: To teach more, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we're teaching, I mean, sometimes we'll be teaching at one festival here, but we're doing a guild
1: mm-hmm. class that night. Right, so we can be in multiple places at the you know, within a, few, a couple of hours. Teach
2: at an East Coast Guild <coughs>
1: yeah in the, and then, in, you
2: know in, in the evening, and that that same morning we were just teaching at a quilt festival. you know I mean it's it, it's kind of amazing, and, and also the thing that I think was the most pleasantly surprising about it was the fact that folks who have not been able to take in-person
1: workshops with us before are able to get into workshops now
2: mm-hmm. and some of it was because they couldn't afford mm-hmm those events to go to them can be expensive.
1: Right, I mean you and you you've air, got to get an airfare and hotel, airfare, and, hotel and, meals and
2: and everything yeah. else and then the and then the cost of the workshops. And so now they're paying the cost of the workshop and they basically go in and turn on, you know, they download a free app mm-hmm. and watch the class. You know, and they can they don't have to hire a babysitter. Right? Cuz mm-hmm. that's a big detriment to folks with kids.
1: Mm-hmm people who, who are, are either immune compromised or, or have social anxiety and just can't travel. They, 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 they're not comfortable being, being around people. We've had a couple
2: of people who, um, who have uh, advanced forms of uh, diseases that they are immune compromised and have never been able to come and take one of our workshops. And now they're, they're, they're sitting in our classroom. We see right. them right there in zoom and talking mm-hmm. to them. Uh, one of our contractors who has crippling um, social anxiety one of our classes for the first time ever and we've known them for, for twelve years, thirteen yeah. years mm-hmm. yep. and never been able to take one of our, our workshops and took one the other day. It erases the classism mm-hmm. and the ableism completely from the picture. And as long as people and most of them we have so many different venues that we're teaching in there's a little bit of something for everybody that people oh, can yeah. afford
1: yeah. can mm-hmm. afford
2: to take a workshop. Yes. So mm-hmm. we're I think that was I think out of all of it, that was the best thing about it Mm -hmm. was the access to people that did not have access to this type of information before in these types of workshops. And that's been the most pleasant Mm -hmm. surprise for all of it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, um, so I know there's like a learning curve with everything. And normally, well, I should probably still ask this question, but there's so much that goes into any class that you do or any book or, you know, or any person's class and book. But, it, but you've got to kind of learn how to do it all fresh. So I'm I'm thinking maybe you've had a couple of teachable moments in there.
2: Because, <laughs> oh, hey, hey yeah. Roxanne, there's no handbook for this crap.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean,
2: there's nothing that says, "Oh, this is how you become a designer." Oh, mm-hmm. this is how you become a, 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 a photographer for fiber arts. Right. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. Well, now there's workshops because we teach them. But there's how, <laughs> there's nothing that says, "Oh, by the way, the entire mm-hmm. world is blanketed with a pandemic, and now you're going to teach through this thing called Zoom." And here's how you do it. And here, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, you know, luckily Jason is a professional photographer and we had a photography studio. We had a rented space that we that we worked in for a long time. We basically replicated that here in this tiny room in our town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and which is why we can't walk without dripping everything. I'd say I, I don't know. Was there anything that was really Frighteningly, um, remembering. Okay, we, okay. So, so yeah. it's more so from the student side of things. Remembering that when you're watching a workshop on your mobile device, we always mute everybody unless unless we uh, unmute them to ask a question. But some places don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a student who took their they turned off their camera. Thank goodness.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they left
2: their <laughs> they left their audio on and um, went to the facilities.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah
2: <laughs> So you don't want to do that. Mhm. It's just it's little things like that. Yeah, m- yeah, we, not...
1: we, we, we we when we're traveling or something we tend to go through lists to make sure that we have everything packed that needs packed or, is, you know, is order is going to show up. We have plan uh,
2: A, B, C, D.
1: Right, yeah, you know, so if this happens, then this. And if this happens, you know, on, on occasion, you know, thing, things happen. You have, you have boxes of, power of outage. spinning spinning fibers. or the power outage
2: the night before. Oh, yeah, or, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, oh, the construction, that was fun. Mm-hmm. We were teaching, and there was construction on two si- sides of us.
1: Yeah, right. So there was yeah. a
2: housing project across the street, and they were tearing up the big main road that runs through our end of Seattle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right in the other side. And of so this.
2: jackhammers and
1: drills and power so saws um, and hammers. So we're covering up windows with blankets. and Because, it, we was, can. because Just.
2: it was 90, like we never get this hot here in Seattle. It was like 92 degrees when we're yep. supposed to be teaching. Yeah. And by the way, Seattle houses don't have central air.
1: Just, yeah. Throwing that out there, um, and I know y'all can't
2: see me, but I'm a I'm a big hairy person, and I hate heat. So we got to teach. Uh, we mm-hmm. turned on the AC in the bedroom. We bought one of those R2D2 air conditioning units, yeah, you know, those, mm-hmm. those tall ones, and plugged it into the window over there and turned it on for 24 hours beforehand, just so that it would cool the entire upstairs, mm-hmm. yeah. And then had a series of fans blowing down the hallway into the studio.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. Just so, <laughs> just so it wasn't a you new. Know, just so that we could teach it here, right? Yeah, because mm-hmm. we had to close
2: every window.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
2: So uh, yeah, you, you don't yeah. think you don't think about that type of stuff because in the in the hotel or the the classrooms and convention centers, mm-hmm. you just ask them to turn on the AC.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I was pulled out of line at uh, TSA once because I had an entire brick of paper <laughs> in my my carry on. He had all of our handouts. I had all of our carry-on. handouts. I mean. We're, We're done like five reams worth of paper. Uh, And when they scan it, it just looks like this big black block. It looks
2: like a big block of something. Mm -hmm. And the woman through TSA, the TSA agent says, well, you know what it looks like? And I'm like, what? And she goes, well, it kind of flags as explosives. And I'm like, what? And she said, it looks like a block of C4. And we're like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) She said, said, either that or a lead line case of some sort, which probably is, you know, Mm -hmm. explosives. And I'm like going...
1: Oh, my God. So <laughs> I started have, having all, all of our handouts sent to the uh, yeah, we, no <laughs> location for that
2: anymore. And we don't have to do that now.
1: Right. Now I just email them. Now, now everything's <laughs> done electronically. So
2: it's, yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there's been a learning curve, and it's yeah. mostly mm-hmm. been about, oh, that camera won't work, but we've te- we test everything.
1: Yeah, and have a backup for it just in case.
2: You can't tell, but we over... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we actually, one of the designers that we mentor is actually um, an IT director for UCLA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were like, okay, what's that, Neil, what's happening? What do we need to do? (laughs) And I mean, Jason comes Mm -hmm. from theater. I come from theater and music and Jason comes with music background. So we've run soundboards, we've run cameras Mm -hmm. and uh, mics. And so we just had to be updated on the new stuff because we're old (laughs) and (laughs) everything is different now. And uh, luckily it's a lot easier I mean, coming Mm -hmm. from what, you know, with all the studying that we've done and all the, you know, we consulted with folks at zoom. We -hmm. consulted with a couple of uh, companies that run virtual events like for Apple and Adobe and place in tech world and things like that. And we were like, okay, so what do we need to do? And Mm -hmm recommend this and we talked to the folks at b and h and the folks at Glazers camera
0: (laughs) i mean we
2: did our research roxanne i know it's hard to believe
0: (laughs) i can guess that
2: (laughs) she was about that she almost choked on how nice she was Mm -hmm, being about that
0: no i I know you guys well enough to know that if you're going to do something you're going to research it first Exactly. Well, in doing my own research for this interview, um, I mean, obviously, in addition to the conversations we've had and everything in the past, um, I did notice that on your homepage, you talk a bit about supporting the creative community right now. And I thought that maybe is really important to talk about because yeah. people might mm-hmm. think that these patterns and these projects and this how-to that's kind of out there is is what people do for fun. And some of it might be, but This is the bread and butter for a lot of this creative community. And a lot of it's dried up. So I didn't know if you wanted to talk a bit about what people can do.
2: We talk about the teachers and the designers being the community that got left behind in all of this. Because the very first thing that we started seeing, and this is really going to tick some people off. And oh, well.
1: It wouldn't be the first time that we've ticked someone off. We've
2: already ticked them off a few (laughs) times by saying this. Mm -hmm, But we went to the event coordinators and said, look, you're doing all these things to help boost the, The the vendors who you know, lost out on the show and rightfully so right. yeah. they lost mm-hmm. out. They made product for these shows and at the last minute, Oh, there's no show. And so now they're sitting on product and they had to switch, they had to switch to virtual, but most of them had an online store presence already. Yeah. And they at least had product that they could sell. And I was like going, so yay for promoting that. But what about the teachers? Mm-hmm. We have no venue to go out to. There's nothing, especially
1: er- early on. You know, if if you're someone who didn't have access to camera equipment and uh, you know the, the ability to upload files to a server, when you didn't have a check and... coming
2: in, the right. last thing you wanted to do was to upgrade your server capacity, your uh, connections with your Wi-Fi, and your brand new and your cameras. Broadband, new cameras, new. I mean, it just was not something that could be done quickly. And a lot of the teachers and designers are living from show to show. I mean, right. honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't make a lot at mm-hmm. these shows. You know I mean? Right. It's not mm-hmm. like, I mean, sometimes the expenses, you know, pretty much match what you're making and you, yeah. know, and you know, so, and it gets better as you go. But with this, we were kind of left behind and we were like, so how about showing some love to the, to the, the teachers? And they were like, well, what can we do? And a lot of, there, there were a couple of shows like Stitches tried to do stuff for the teachers. The general public just didn't know how to respond. And they were like, well, we don't know how to help because there's, no more classes available. We'll buy your books. We'll buy your patterns. Mm-hmm. But I've already got all your books. And already, so we had, to mm-hmm. set up, we had to set up a donation page
1: yeah. mm-hmm. on our
2: site. And we were like, and we applied for grants.
1: Right. There, 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 there were a couple of grants from the city of Seattle that from the were city set of Seattle. up. And there was specifically one. Specifically for. for, for uh,
2: just a patron of the arts here in Seattle. Mm-hmm set up she's this wonderful woman philanthropist that we've never heard of before and mm-hmm. somebody said this this lady is a patron of the arts in seattle and wants to help support seattle artists through this mm-hmm. yep you seattle. all should apply for this and uh we got two different grants from them that honestly save it,
1: saved our bacon
2: it yeah. saved our like we were mm-hmm. able to pay our mortgage
1: yeah Mm-hmm.
2: You know, for a couple, uh, we were just like, whew, like it, yeah. Like the refrigerator died at one point mm-hmm. and uh, the car broke down. Da- oh, the car broke down. Yeah, it was the
1: car broke down. Right mm-hmm. in the middle of
2: everything. And we got that check and we're able to get the car fixed. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there were things like that that we do. We applied for grants to the city. We saw what we could do. But mainly it was g- reaching out to people and saying, if you want to see us survive mm-hmm. and other designers like us and teachers like us survive, you're going to have to help us out and we'll keep putting product up. But if you can share anything at all, and we had donations from like $5 up to a few hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. yeah, And it really did allow us to bridge the gap and then purchase the products that we needed and purchase things we needed to switch mm-hmm. to virtual and do that. But there were some designers, we talk about this in our workshops now that there are creators that will not come back after this they're they're done they've they're teachers that couldn't make this pivot and they had to quit and they've had to go take jobs. i mean which is
1: fine i mean which which is fine but but they they can't come back to this yeah people
2: are missing their favorite creators and it's like then reach out and see how you can support them see if you can Send them a little bit of money if that'll help. And we're encouraging the other creatives to reach out to their community and say, Mm -hmm. I mean, we used to get patrons, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, this used to be the way that that creators did things is they got patrons. It's a slippery slope that you go down with it because then you feel like you owe something to your patrons. But it's the only thing that got us through for a little while. And uh, we're extremely grateful to our community for backing us. When our classes go on sale, they sell.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
2: people are like, this is one way that I can help support. And I've always wanted to take a class with you. We put out mm-hmm. new patterns, and they sell
1: now. That, that would be the one thing I would say. You know, if, if you see you know online classes happening, and there's something you're even vaguely interested in, take the class. Take the class
2: because you don't have to travel now. Right. It's mm-hmm. not that expensive to do it, and it puts some money in the, the pockets of the creators.
1: Yes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean,
2: we have very good. Uh, I know Stitches, and with the the new CNT and T platform, mm-hmm. very very equitable shares. And Barn, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Bainbridge Artists Artisans Resource Network that we teach through, they all give us a huge portion of the the money off of the sale of the classes
1: yeah because Mm -hmm. they
2: realize that they're not spending as much money to hold an event
1: right they they aren't having to pay us to travel there they're not having to put us up in a hotel
2: they don't have to pay for the conference centers they don't have to pay for the classrooms they don't have that overhead and so they're taking that extra overhead that they would have had to spend and they're giving it back to the instructors as percentage shares and it's it's a different way of doing business it's a different way of being more equitable about how the creators in this industry are paid, which has been extremely lopsided for entirely too long. And I think right now the best thing that, people, that folks can do is to reach out to their creators and, and find out when they're teaching, if they have patterns out, if they have things that they're doing online, and seeing if there's ways like that that they can support, support them. them. And for creators, we know it's tough. Mm-hmm. Folks, we know. We know. We, we know. We had to turn down work in the beginning of this that was painful to turn down, there were events that were taking advantage of the fact that we weren't making any money and they knew that we were over a barrel and needed to make money. And so they started way underpaying. Like they weren't even paying as much as they would pay for an in-person show for workshops. And we were like, this is unfair. You're being predatory when you're doing this. And we encouraged all the creatives. We know not to take the jobs, right? Mm -hmm. But that's coming from a place of privilege where we did have some support. And we said to them, we understand, though, if you're going to pay the bills, you got to pay the bills and you got to take the job. I get it. Luckily, we were in a position where, well, no, it got pretty painful. (laughs) It got pretty scary. It still is a little bit, but, you know,
1: soup for a couple of weeks. Yeah.
2: And uh, yeah, you know, to say to the creators, do the best you can with it and seek out places that are doing the right thing. And if you feel like you're getting a raw deal. Um, and,
1: well, and also put yourself out there. You 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 need to, to right, d- especially d- now get your face out there, get your classes out there. If you don't already have classes, try c- creating something new
2: and reach Think out. About you something know, new. Find a mentor. I mean, we mentor new designers.
1: Yes, um, mm-hmm. we're
2: really full right now with new designers. We mentor <clears throat> new designers and teachers, and it's folks that have reached out to us or that we've seen their talent and just seen that they needed an extra little. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but look for advice from other people in the field who are where you want to be right now. And, you know, put yourself out there, ask, Mm -hmm. ask for the help that you need, you know, don't walk around and expect to not do any work and everybody to do it for you. But don't be afraid to ask for the help that you need. We're all in this position together. And we have an opportunity now to create a new industry.
1: Yes. We have mm-hmm. this
2: opportunity to create this new industry where pay is equitable mm-hmm. and it's not just a few people getting all the kudos, mm-hmm. You know, all, all, all the money. <laughs> we have this ability to do this now. And I feel like because we have the ability to do that, it is our responsibility to do it. And if we don't, then we've failed the next generation of creators. It, it's something that that we as the current creators need to do, maybe reach out to some of those. That's what we've done, tried to do. Mm -hmm. reach out to some of those newer folks or folks that you see that aren't putting out as much content and be like, Hey, is there anything we can do to help? Can we help boost you? I mean, just anything. So for established designers, reach out to some of the the teachers and designers who seem like their contents kind of trickled off and just check in on them and say, Hey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's all they needed. They just needed somebody to wake them up because you start spiraling,
1: Oh, it's easy. Yeah, oh, it's easy to spiral.
2: Not saying that we don't. Things are getting mm-hmm. better, but we still have days, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and one th- you break a nail, and it starts with that, and then all of a sudden you're convinced that you're going to be living on the streets next. You know, I mean, the spiral because everything is so doom and gloom all the time around us. One little thing happens, and you know, mentally we just break and everything comes flooding back in. So as established teachers and designers, we need to reach out to the other folks that we see and, you know, check in on each other, make sure that everybody's doing okay. As newer designers and teachers, ask for help. When you need it, Mm -hmm. ask for help. And, you know, I mean, us personally, we'll always direct people to where they can get help or give them suggestions or try to signal boost somebody who needs the help. There's so much going on and there's so many things to focus on. We're trying really hard to focus on our community um, of creators and specifically with LGBTQIA creators Mm -hmm. um, that we see that we're being ignored in this industry a lot anyway. And so we're trying really hard to concentrate on that community, but everybody reach out to your community and cross borders in your community to see if there's, ways that you can help and i think that way we really can create a new industry out of this mm-hmm. we have right. an opportunity to come from i mean literally rise from the ashes you know <laughs> not to be too dramatic but i mean literally <sighs> yeah we have that how often do you get that opportunity i hate the way that it came about I, oh,
1: so far i think it's seven times now
2: i right. <laughs> we do it a lot with ourselves <sighs> but it's just it's not a natural thing for other folks to do no For us, we're used Mm -hmm. to the pivot and move. Mm -hmm. You know, that little car that bumps into the wall and goes Mm -hmm. until it finds finds an opening. We're used to that. We were both raised that way. We've both been raised to think about life that way. And then when we got together, you know, we amplified that in each other. But not everybody thinks that way. And it's scary to do that. And it's scary for us to do that. Oh, it's terrifying.
1: Yeah. Let alone
2: somebody who's not used to doing that. Mm -hmm. So I really feel for the people who can't make a go of it and who feel like they have to go out and get a job but it's you know whatever we got to do to survive and i think event organizers like barn and stitches and creative spark who are creating a venue for uh the uh, cnt who are creating a platform for their authors is doing doing a, the
1: work a great service doing to, the
2: work baby yeah. mm-hmm. i mean making it making making the changes and making it so that we have the platforms to speak from and uh, to create this new creative world that we live in and to do it in in an interesting and fun way.
0: For the people who are listening, who are, you know, like end, end consumers, they're crafters, they're makers. Tell like, what do you have online that's coming up? So what should they be on the lookout for?
2: Our classes page we mm-hmm. keep that up to date. We have three different versions of workshops that we do.
1: Right. They're, they're the, uh, the live virtual classes where, you know, it's us on screen doing the stuff. Then we also have a series of pre-recorded classes where you, you just download the class and take it. And then we, we're coming up with the, the newest Hybrids. ones, which are hybrid of that, oh, too. Oh, man, we love yeah. this. Yeah.
2: And so there's a, it's either a recorded class that has a live interactive component or it's a live workshop that has a recorded component. Mm-hmm. and that is really
1: wow where, where, where we see the the biggest most interesting things happening currently. so
2: so that page <clears throat> is always good on our website shibaguys.com mm-hmm. yep shibaguys with a z and we um we have all of our books on there are are of course of course Big news coming up is there is a super secret platform for are we allowed to talk about this yeah. uh, through C and T? Yeah, through C and T that we have a workshop coming up on there that we are just so excited about.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. like
2: just that class itself is. Everything We've Ever Wanted to Do. Yep,
1: and that is the first of many that will probably yeah, on appear. Sa-
2: on Sashiko and Boro. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be in conjunction with our new book from The new C- book that the book is... that we were talking about earlier. It is on,
1: it's currently on pre-sale. Oh, um, we're but, so excited. Yeah, and it, it, it's uh, scheduled to launch Christmas.
2: Yeah, on the, mm-hmm. on the, on the Christian Christmas. Boro and Sashiko, mm-hmm. Harmonious Imperfection.
1: Perfection. Mm-hmm.
2: I, it's just such such a a culmination of all the different things that we do in our lives, that that book is representative of all these things. And it's just so exciting that we're going to be able to share that through workshops, through c and and through our book through CNT. So yeah. just look for that. Look for our live classes. We're teaching more now than we ever have. We just did a new pattern release for our crochet folks. Yep. Mm-hmm. We love that. We just did a fall pattern release for four new crochet patterns. You know, and I don't
1: know what a else. A f- few more can coming up for be the end a of the few year. More
2: Coming up for the end of the year, just mm-hmm. stuff, you know, I mean, we're working now. Mm-hmm. We've come up out of the gloom and starting to see light and starting to see new ways to be creative. So look for new things from us. I think yeah. there's new workshops that we've never taught before. We're doing abstract piecing, we're doing uh, improv piecing. Wonky,
1: scrappy, wonky. Scrappy, wonky, wonky quilt
2: blocks, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we have had so much fun with scrappy, wonky quilt blocks. We started just using up all of our scraps because we couldn't get fabric.
1: Just small pieces of stuff and sewing together in really interesting ways. So we started making abstract fabrics and scrappy, these scrappy, wonky
2: quilt blocks. And it has turned into a whole new series of workshops Mm-hmm. And uh, we've already started writing the outline for books and classes, and I mean, we're kind of ex- that's kind of the next thing that we're really
0: excited. About. I, I was just thinking that I was like, and I could see that proposal coming my way any day now, <laughs> which yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So don't you worry.
1: Talk to Linda. Linda <laughs> will be calling any day now. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: we will do. We will do. But all right. Well, you know, thank you both so much for thank taking you. time oh, out of your yeah, schedules. You. I know it's a it it is pulling you away from things that that do try to make you some money. Um, so I appreciate it and. Um, just for those people who are listening, um, just down into the the description, look for a link to the workshop page that was just mentioned. Um, and Ooh. we'll add in links to the um, Museum in Japan and the Asian Art Museum in Seattle. The Seattle just Art
1: because you guys
0: made those sounds so good that we're like oh, it's yeah. a rabbit hole we've got to share.
2: <laughs> seriously, seriously, yeah. you've got to. Mm-hmm. And if you're yes. in Seattle, if you're in Seattle, go to the Seattle the Seattle Art Museum and the Seattle Asian Art Museum they are just, stunning, just incredible stunning places and
1: a- Ancient Grounds which is Ancient where, Grounds mm-hmm. which
2: is Roland's place across the street it's across he's, the
1: street from the Seattle Art Museum in downtown
2: To a and Boro collector he's been going back and forth to Japan for over 50 years now mm-hmm. yeah and uh, collecting and his,
1: and his coffee shop is basically a tiny a museum Museum just all by itself. it's called own. Ancient
2: Grounds right across the street from the Seattle Art Museum he is he makes a mean latte but man go for the latte and, stay, and then
1: just peruse stay for the history right yeah <laughs>
2: Look at that for All right. An ad for rolling.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, it's called sharing the love. It's all good. Oh, yeah. That's
2: right. All right. TV well, thank
0: you person. so much. Oh, thank you for having thank us on. Thank you for having
2: us. This means so much to have the ability to talk about the current issues that we're dealing with as well as, you know, solutions and, mm-hmm. and doing that. That's a light
1: light at the end of this tunnel.
2: Yeah, because there is, you know, mm. and I mean it's it's not it's not over and it's not gonna be over anytime soon. Can we learn to operate in this new normal? And as creatives, can we continue to be creative, continue to produce and continue to have our voices heard? And we really, really passionately feel like, yes, we can. So mm-hmm. this is one of, one of the ways, you know, you producing this show and doing this is one of the ways that you get that out there. And we really appreciate being a part of it.
0: No, anytime. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure that we'll talk again very soon. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Bye. Bye. This is Roxanne Serta. Thanks for listening to Behind the Scenes. Want to know more about our outstanding group of authors and their books? Visit us online at CT Publishing on Instagram, Twitter, our CNT Publishing channel on YouTube, or on our website at ctpub.com.